On your Thursday episode of Locked On Raptors, it's the last of the vacation mailbags. Yes, I'm nearing my return, but I'm still coming to you from the past with questions from you, the listeners, and answers from me, Sean. Uh, Questions regarding the future of OG Ananobi, as well as the other biggest flaws on the other teams in the Eastern Conference after we've talked all summer long about the Raptors' flaws. We're getting all that and more on today's episode. Thanks for hanging. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on and welcome to another episode of Lockdown Raptors, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Thursday, August the 24th. I'm recording this on Thursday, August the 10th. It's like my fourth episode today. So apologies if my voice is frayed. The voice you're hearing is, of course, of Sean Woodley. I'm your host. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can also go and find the show on Instagram at LockedOnRaptors. You can join our Discord server. Fresh links will be dispersed very, very soon. I promise you that. And we got a whole bunch more for you. Uh, over on the on the YouTube channel. Go subscribe. Find all the videos. There's bonus videos, etc., etc. Would uh, love to see new subscribers. Would love to see you subscribing, rating, and reviewing, and all that good stuff. Thanks in advance for doing so. Okay, today's show is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel, the official sports book of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. All right, let's get started here on a mailbag edition. Once again, the fourth in a row, but don't worry, fresh pods are coming next week as I'll be back from my trip, and I'm very excited to get into some stuff. We'll talk some World Cup, of course, but we got listener questions to get through. Again, all of you came through wonderfully with great questions to help get me through this vacation time. So I thank you very much for that. A reminder, the Discord is the place to be if you want your listener questions answered going forward. Let's begin, shall we? This one comes in from Skip to My Lou in the Discord asking, looking ahead to the 2024 offseason, who is the most serious threat to sign OG and Anobi? And is there a trade possible with them today? That is a spicy question and one that is very important for the Raptors to have a pretty good handle on going into this season if in fact they're going to enter the season with OG Ananobi on an expiring contract. I have made the point before that I think now would be the time probably to choose two of OG, Scotty Barnes, and Pascal Siakam. I've made my point that I think I'd prefer the Siakam and Barnes route just as a talent play, and then you figure out the rest later with the roster. But I also understand if they go Scotty OG for the youth of it all, the problem is the Pascal trade issue is, is hey, again, let's just have it be said, there's a possibility that Pascal has been traded by the time you're hearing this, so maybe this is all out of date. But, um, you know, th- there's the the thing with, if you trade Pascal, you're not going to get a whole lot back. We've been through it over and over, all the different problems and caveats with the Pascal Siakam trade situation. With OG, it seems as though they're going to go into the season with him as an expiring deal. Obviously, they can offer him an extension this summer, around October, I guess, uh, for four years, $117 bucks. 
That's not going to get it done. I, I really would be stunned if that is the number that gets OG signed. And frankly, I think OG's agents should probably be fired if they accept that because OG could go make himself some serious coin next summer on the open market, whether from the Raptors or some other team swooping in to sign him. And there are some interesting candidates that we'll get to here in a second. But overall, the, uh, the idea of going into the year with OG on an expiring deal is troublesome, especially if Pascal will also be on one, especially if Gary Trent Jr. will also be on one. Again, possible that extensions have been signed for both of those guys or one of those guys by the time this airs, so apologies if this is out of date, but that is the situation they find themselves in. Keith Smith, uh, NBA reporter, does lots of good stuff over uh, at Spot Track. He, a couple of weeks back, or the day this is being recorded, tweeted out, uh, my first pass at 2024 cap space projections is complete. Keith is very good with this stuff, kind of guessing what cap space is going to be out there around the league. And as per usual, there's not a ton of teams with a lot of cap space. You have the San Antonio Spurs with 55.3 million bucks projected, the Orlando Magic with 51.3, the Utah Jazz 41.6, the Charlotte Hornets 40.7 million, the Detroit Pistons 38.7, and the 76ers at 32.9. That is very much dependent on what the hell happens with James Harden. Again, maybe that's been resolved by the time you're hearing this. But as of right now, those are the teams that will have OG money on the books you know again teams can get into cap space we saw the the for example get into a cap space situation at the last draft just because they moved on from a deal they didn't want in Rashawn Holmes they didn't do much with the cap space but they had that cap space when it was not projected so these things are always subject to change but that is the situation right now so of those teams Spurs Magic Jazz Hornets Pistons Sixers Sixers is the one who should go sign him. Uh, I, frankly, one of my favorite fake trades out there at the deadline, and this doesn't really work anymore because of the Harden situation being so up in the air, but the situation at the deadline that I thought was pretty intriguing was, do you call up the Sixers if they're confident they can keep James Harden and offer OG Ananobi for Daniel House, P.J. Tucker, and Tyrese Maxey is the big returning piece. The money basically matches dollar for dollar, and you get OG onto the Sixers, who would be a perfect running mate next to Joel Embiid, three-point shooting to work off of those double teams that Embiid sees all the time, really punish him there. The defense, obviously, the best defensive partner who Embiid will have played with since Ben Simmons, and I certainly would take OG on defense over Ben Simmons at any any rate anyway. Um, That would be a really nice fit. Does OG Ananobi have any time for Nick Nurse? All of the reporting from the last year or so suggests that perhaps not. Uh, And so that could be a bit of a dicey thing there. And also the Sixers, they like to go star hunting, right? And as much as OG is awesome, my expectation is that they'll probably go star hunting. Pascal Siakam, for example, could be one of those guys that they go star hunting with. Uh, Just as an example, other free agents next summer who come to mind, you know, Clay Thompson's there. Um, You kind of go through, it's not exactly a loaded class beyond Pascal and OG. DeMar DeRozan will be a free agent, so there's that. Um, As far as, like, current salaries being made uh, for for that that season... um, you know, there's not a lot of guys who are well-paid now who are going to go hit caps. You know, obviously, we could see guys become stars this year who hit the free agency market and restricted free agency or whatever. But as it stands right now, it's not exactly a loaded group. And so, yeah, maybe OG becomes one of those guys who is... um, 
is potentially coveted. Uh, I'm just pulling up now guys with player options as well for next season. Chris Middleton's among them. Um, that's kind of it. It's not exactly a full class of players for 2024. So that opens up the risk that if they go into free agency with all those guys as unrestricted free agents, that they could lose one or all of them, and it could be very, very disastrous for the franchise a year after just losing Fred Van Vliet for nothing. You don't want to see that. Back to the question at hand, because uh, I just got off track. Spurs, Magic, Jazz, Hornets, Pistons, Sixers. I, the Sixers, I mentioned, yeah, that would be a perfect fit. They should go and do that. Um, the Spurs, really interesting, would be a perfect fit on a Wemby team, one would think. But I wonder if the Spurs maybe have to devote their resources more to finding like the long-term answer at point guard. Trey Jones, I don't think is that. Malachi Branham's nice, I guess. But is he going to be a long-term starter? Uh, and then they're pretty loaded on the wings, right? Devin Vassell, Kelton Johnson. They got Jeremy Sohan. Maybe they don't really view OG as someone who's worth the investment, even though he'd be a great fit. The Magic, similar idea. They have a lot of wings and forwards and not many guards. I doubt that OG would be top of their list, although Jeff Weltman, I'm sure, is a fan of OG's work, considering his time with the Raptors. Did he leave for the Magic before that? I don't even remember how the timeline goes here, but I'm pretty sure he was around, at least when they would have been scouting OG. The Jazz... That's an interesting one because they obviously kind of have a bit of a glut now with Larry Markinen and John Collins and Walker Kessler. I feel like if you can get OG, you probably happily move on from John Collins and wash your hands with it and you're fine. Uh, and OG will be a great partner next to Larry Markinen, who's not the best defender in the world. The Hornets, they're a mess. Who knows what the hell the Hornets are ever thinking. Uh, they have Brandon Miller. Do they want to pair him with OG on the wings? That would be smart probably to get multiple wings like that. So I suppose the Hornets could be in the running and playing with LaMelo Ball, I'm sure, has its merits. Although if OG wants the ball in his hands, LaMelo Ball is not the guy to be playing next to. Uh, the Pistons, are the team that I kind of have my eye on a little bit because, uh, man, OG on that team would be a delight. You throw him in next to Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivey. Uh, you've got Asar Thompson in the backcourt now as well. You've got that loaded frontcourt they have. Loaded that in, like, the literal sense. They have a lot of bigs. Are any of them very good? I don't know. Um, but, like, I think I'd rather have OG playing the four than Isaiah Stewart or James Wiseman or Marvin Bagley, to be sure. So the Pistons stand out as a bit of a scary team there. All told, I think the point in here is that the Raptors, if they want to keep OG, they're going to have to pony up and pay him real money. Uh, and maybe they're happy doing that. Maybe it's fine to pay one of the best wing defenders alive a lot of money. Um, I have my sort of hang-ups with his offense and is it worth paying all that money to a guy who can't really create his own shot do i feel differently about that if scotty barnes shows out this year probably do i feel different about that if pascal siakam's no longer on the team and you're not having to worry about his next contract probably uh so there's all sorts of variables here but the i think of the teams with cap space the pistons stand out as the scariest one along with the sixers but again the sixers have a, a lot of irons in the fire at the moment so who the hell knows what their cap space situation is going to be they could have damian lillard soaking up and putting them in the second apron for all we know who's to say again maybe a damian lillard trades happen by the time you're hearing this in which case sorry all right we'll come back on the other side get to a few more mailbag questions to round this thing out before we do that however should tell you about our friends over at FanDuel who are the number one sports book in all the land. And right now with football season approaching, it is time to get into FanDuel and start playing because they're giving you the chance to win all season long right now 
When you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you get bonus bets every single time they win in the regular season. That's right. You don't just make the bet at the start of the season and wait all year for it to pay off. You get little tiny payoffs sprinkled throughout the season as your team that you picked to win the Super Bowl goes on and wins a whole bunch of games. Uh, obviously, don't pick a team that's not going to win a bunch of games. That would be a very bad idea. Go ahead and pick a really good team like the Buffalo Bills. They go win 14, 15 games, and all of a sudden, you're getting bonus bets basically every single week. You can use your money from bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and start earning bonus Bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Go check them out. All right, we continue on. Your first listen of the day, rounding out the uh, long marathon that has been recording a bunch of mailbag podcasts today before I head for vacation. It's a very good thing I left it all to the last day, isn't it? Um, let's get to this next question here from Barney Bass asking. The Raptors' biggest flaws talked about all offseason have been the lack of shooting and ball creation. Looking at the projected top teams in the Eastern Conference, what are the areas of needs and biggest flaws on both ends of the court? Uh, this is from Barney Bass, the chief optimist in the Lockdown Raptors Discord. Very important energy within the Discord as the rest of us are spiraling half the time. Barney, keeping us honest, and we like it. Um, the question here, I think I'm going to put a little riff on this too. I'm going to kind of grade the biggest weakness for all these teams on a scale of not so scary to horrifying um, and like potentially fatal flaws. And we'll kind of do it that way. So the Milwaukee Bucks, they're really good. Uh, you know, their half court offense has always kind of been a bit of a struggle. They tend to overcome that through the sheer dominating force that is Giannis Antetokounmpo. And when Chris Middleton's healthy, they have a pick and roll operator who can really go to work and cook in the playoffs. He's had a ton of success there. I think probably for the Bucks, it's just like age, right? Like is Brooke Lopez over the hill at some point? Is Drew Holiday slowing down? Are the injuries going to pile up for these guys? And do they have a ton of depth beyond those dudes? I still think the Bucks are awesome. I would probably pick them right now to win the Eastern Conference. I picked them last year to win the Eastern Conference, and that didn't go so hot. But, you know, at the time I'm recording, the Heat don't have Damian Lillard. And so I think I would probably say the Bucks are my favorites. If, uh, you know, obviously Giannis wasn't healthy for that whole first-round series, things are probably different if he is. He's really, really excellent. Um, so, at, like, their fatal flaw, I'd probably put it like, a, I don't know, like a 2 out of 10 on sort of the, the fear rankings. The Celtics, I think... Not having Marcus Smart is going to be interesting because they were already a pretty light ball handling team before, and now they don't really have, not, not to say ball handling, because Tatum and Brown can handle the ball, but like playmaking, Marcus Smart was their best playmaker. They replaced him with Chris Stapps Porzingis, who is fine uh, at what he does, and I think is going to be a nice fit there. It'll probably help their sort of front court rotation, but... Are they going to have the same issues that they've kind of always had where their offense kind of decays into Jason Tatum step backs and Jalen Brown dribbling into traffic and bouncing it off his foot when things matter the most? I think their lack of extra creation could potentially be kind of their downfall. I'll call it like a four as their, their biggest issue. They're still going to be a great team. They're still going to be a top three seed in the Eastern Conference probably. But when you get to the real nuts and bolts of the playoffs, I, I think those little things in the margins could be problematic. The Sixers, I'm not even going to pick. I don't know what the hell the Sixers are. We'll see. Their biggest problem is that they're the Sixers and are cursed and will never win anything because of karmic uh, retribution from the process. The Cavaliers, I think for me, their biggest weakness is that wing spot still. I know Max Struess is going to help with the shooting. George Niang will help with the shooting. But between Struess, Niang, Mitchell, Garland, 
I don't know how they're defending really good wings. You know, Evan Mobley, I talked about in a previous mailbag, he's probably going to get the shot to do that, and he might be awesome at that. But can he stick with slippery small guards? Do they have the defensive, you know, chops in the backcourt to really hang? Is this like kind of like a souped-up version of Dame and McCollum where eventually you might have to split up the two just because it's so defensively untenable? We'll see. I think Garland's awesome. He's like, I would say he's better than CJ McCollum ever was on those Portland teams. I think Mitchell is less of the player that Damian Lillard used to be, but those guys are pretty comparable as as far as like overall ability and playoff chops and all that stuff. Um, But I do really wonder about that, that wing defense spot and does it overextend Evan Mobley and does Jared Allen lay a pumpkin again or be a pumpkin again lay an egg that's what I'm looking for laying a pumpkin that sounds painful um but would does Jared Allen figure it out in the playoffs again like he kind of got played out of that series against the Knicks was really ineffective um I still think that wing situation the wing defense situation in particular maybe not even just wing because I think Mobley can hang there but like guard and wing defense still could be a big problem for the Cavs and I'm going to call it like a five or a six on the fear scale the Knicks I think I like the Knicks a lot and I don't like that I like the Knicks a lot I think their biggest problem is I'm not sure Julius Randle's like a playoff player but that doesn't matter for the regular season so much and they're still they made it to the second round last year that's very good for them um you know I I like Quentin Grimes I like Emmanuel quickly talked about that a bunch on the show Jalen Brunson's awesome I I think this is not to say Jalen Brunson is Kyle Lowry because he's not because Kyle Lowry is like one of the five smartest basketball players of the last 20 years but Jalen Brunson is the closest thing to peak Kyle Lowry I think I've seen um, since peak Kyle Lowry, right? Like, there's just this really nasty, smart, organizing point guard, can score at the rim, can kind of use his body to overcome his lack of size, just kind of a nasty dude. Uh, I think Jalen Brunson's kind of like that, but I think Julius Randle being their second most important offensive player is probably an issue once you get into the deep parts of the playoffs. First round, sure, but a little bit beyond that, and I have some concerns. Um, the Julius Randle playoff thing, you know, in the playoffs, I think it's like an eight in the regular season. It's like a three because he's really good in the regular season and is prone to weird shooting spurts. Um, I'm going to skip the nets because I don't really understand the nets and I don't think they're going to be that good. I think the Hawks are the next interesting team here. Their big concern, their biggest weakness right now is probably point of attack defense with, with Trey young. Like that's kind of always the thing, right? DeJounte Murray's great with it, but Going down the list, like, I don't think A.J. Griffin, as excited as I am about him, is like an ace defender or anything like that. DeAndre Hunter has never been the ace defender he was billed to be. Um, and I think that's probably another one of their issues is that sort of point of attack defense. Trey Young is always going to be a scab that gets picked at in the playoffs defensively. It's just always going to be that thing. And I, I guess the other part, too, is can the Hawks play together, right? Like, they typically are just kind of like a your turn, my turn. It's Trey's team. It's DeJounte's team. Neither of them are terribly thrilling to watch. You know, it, can Quinn Snyder kind of make that into more of a basketball team, I guess is the big question here. Um, as far as regular season, I think the Hawks will actually be pretty good this year with Quinn Snyder. Um, so their their point of attack defense concerns in the regular season are probably like a four or a three. In the playoffs, it becomes like a seven, eight, or nine. And I don't think the Hawks really have the juice to go all that deep at all. So there's that. 
Uh, the Heat, as far as biggest weakness, it's probably depth, uh, especially if they make a Lillard trade. That matters a lot more in the regular season. And as far as them like getting good seeding in the regular season, I could see that being a bit of a challenge if you know, you're going to miss some time from Jimmy, as he's prone to do, and Dame's in his 30s. Maybe he needs some maintenance. Um, you know, They're still going to be, like if that is a trio, maybe they are by now. Lillard, Bam, Butler is about as perfectly fitting a trio as you could ask for. Um, but I do think in the regular season, their lack of depth and their like sort of dependence on G League dude magic is going to be put to the test. And regular season wise, I'd call that like a six of, of a concern. In the playoffs, you shorten your rotation, you're fine. You you have Eric Spolstra pulling the levers. It's probably like a two. Um, the Bulls, their biggest thing is, uh, I mean, not having Lonzo Ball sure sucks. I I think in general. They're a weird team, man. They were so good on defense last year, despite not really having the guys that you would say are defensively talented outside of Alex Caruso and Pat Williams, I guess. Um, you know, Nick Vucevic, I think, did a really good job as a defensive backline guy last year, kind of underrated. Um, but like, you know, DeRozan, Levine, are you really counting on those dudes <laughs> defensively? Um, this is where we get into the range of teams that like I think the Raptors could feasibly be much better than or better than at least. And uh, so maybe I'll stop the ranking there. But the Bulls' big concern for me is just like how do they run offense, right? Like they, they just had like a very stagnant, crappy offense last year. Couldn't hit any threes, had no three-point volume. The three-point volume is probably the biggest weakness. And uh, in the regular season, that's probably like a like a six or a seven in the playoffs. That's probably like an eight or a nine. So yeah, that's where we are with the rankings of the other best teams in the Eastern Conference. As far as the Raptors' biggest weakness, the lack of self-creation in the half court, I think in the regular season, it's probably a little bit less of a concern than the playoffs, but I still think it's a concern. Regular season, I'd grade it at like a six or a seven, and in the playoffs, ugh, boy, it could get ugly as teams kind of scheme for the lack of creation. It could be like a nine or a ten as far as a big concern. The Raptors are not as good as these other teams is the thing, so their, their fear, concern, ranking levels are a little bit higher. We'll come back on the other side, get into a few fun questions to round things out. Both, a couple fun ones, that is, from our pal Duncan, who uh, asked a couple of bangers. And uh, we will close that out in just a second. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about our friends over at Locked on Leafs. As the Leafs offseason continues, still plenty of stuff to be done extensions, trades, etc. Go check out Mike and Dave with Locked on Leafs each and every day on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube to get all you need to know about the buds. All right, we're rounding it out here, hitting the home stretch of this final vacation mailbag. We'll leave it off with a couple of light questions. Uh, this one comes from Duncan asking, this has been in the mailbag for a while, glad to get to it now. If you could bring one Raptors player, present or past, with you to pick up, who would it be and why is it Kyle Lowry? Um, so... A little about my pickup life. Uh, you know, I'm not very good. <laughs> Let's put it out there. I know where to stand, and I can shoot a little bit, and that's kind of it. I can I, defensively. I just like get by by trying harder than most people do at pickup, but I'm not especially good there either. Um, got a little hook shot I can kind of go to once in a while, but it's been ice cold for me lately, so uh, it's not exactly something I would call a weapon. The player I compare myself to most often in, in pickup terms is 2016 Raptors Louis Scola. Um, so take that for what it's worth. Uh, as far as like what I look for in a pickup run, 
Kyle Lowry might not be the perfect guy to play with because he's just too good and too smart and too above everybody else. I like a pickup run where no one's like too good, but no one's too bad and everyone's just kind of all right and everyone knows where to stand and everybody is kind of playing basketball for for like lack of a better phrasing like it's just all right we're out there we're gonna set some screens we're gonna actually run some stuff to see if we can get some good shots created as opposed to just kind of playing hero ball i don't love playing hero ball and pickup it's not my favorite thing in the world um playing pickup with 21 year olds you're gonna get a lot of that playing with 30 year olds you're gonna get really sound fundamental screens and uh defensive communication and all that good stuff um so with all that in mind i think kyle's maybe too good for the type of run i'm looking for What I like in a player to play with is someone who, even when they know they're the best player on the team, is like comfortable setting everyone else up. And I guess Kyle, to a degree, is that type of player, although he could certainly take the bull by the horns a little bit more often. Um, And so, like, you know, obviously, like, Jokic would be the dream player to play pickup with. For the Raptors, trying to think of, like, a dude who would be kind of in that vein of, like, just kind of there to help everybody else get everybody else set up, take the shots when they need to. The answer is probably Jose Calderon. Just kind of having a steady point guard who can run your stuff and pick up is very, very essential. And so Jose Calderon just kind of setting dudes up, going for 15 assist nights and all that stuff. Um, I think that would be a ton of fun. He's, he's going to take his shots when they're there, but he's not going to dominate the ball or anything like that. So give me Jose Calderon as my pickup playing partner. We'll run a little pick and roll action. It'll be beautiful. Last one here comes from Duncan, and it's a dumb question, but it's great. Uh, If each player on the Raptors was a character on Seinfeld, who would be who and why? This is a hard question to answer because the whole thing about Seinfeld is all these people suck and you should probably hate them. (laughs) And so I, a person who ostensibly likes the Toronto Raptors, don't feel the way I do about George when he's doing his worst low-life stuff on that show. Uh, I say that with utmost love because George is the best character on that show, but a very different kind of appreciation between like the Raptors dudes I like and the people on Seinfeld who are doing bad things as bad people. Um, I feel like... I did. I, someone did ask me who the soup Nazi was in the uh, Discord. I said Nick Nurse. I think that's pretty obvious. I'm just going to go with the main four and, and sort of find a Raptors corollary, I think, here. Um, for Elaine, I think I might go OG Ananobi. Hear me out here. Uh, like, easily, like, the smartest person of the bunch. OG, I think, kind of gives out that vibe. Very smart, cerebral guy. Not to say Elaine is a genius, because no one on that show is a genius. Um, I think... There's like an opinion of Elaine. Like Elaine has this very high opinion of herself, I think. And you could maybe draw a line to like OG wanting more action with the ball in his hands and kind of thinking he has more to give as an offensive creator. So I suppose there's that and like the hubris that comes with that. I feel like Elaine is very hubristic as a character. Um, And like, frankly, I think Elaine's the funniest character on the show too. And I think OG is pretty comfortably the funniest player on the Raptors. So I'll go there. Kramer... Hmm. Kramer, I think I'm going Precious Achua. And it's just because, like, the energy that Kramer has when he bursts through Jerry's door is very much the energy Precious has when he gets the ball and tries to do something with it. Sometimes it's going to be great. There's going to be hilarious quip, a one-liner. You're going to laugh. Other times you're just going to be very confused. And I think that kind of sums up the Precious Achua experience very well. So Precious Achua is your Kramer Seinfeld, Jerry, uh, hmm, 
This is a challenging one, too. Is it just Masai? Like, Masai just kind of the boss running the show? And it's not a very good answer, but, like, there's no one on the Raptors who is like Jerry, because Jerry's kind of whack. Uh, you know, obviously, Jerry, public speaker, does his stand-up comedy. Masai, very good public speaker, gets people roused. I suppose that works there, too. Um, you could say Grady Dick is, is kind of like Marla the Virgin from that episode of Seinfeld. Um, and, and, you know, the the object of Masai Ujiri's fascination for a brief time. Um, so there's that. I don't have a great one. And then George, George, running through the team. Cheapest dude on the team, kind of like a scummy low life, but like means well. Annoying parents. Ah. <laughs> Annoying parents who you like. So I'm not going to go uh, Malachi Flynn here because, uh, you know, the Raptors Nation thing kind of got old pretty quick on Facebook for old Eric Flynn. Um,. This is bad podcasting. Solo podcasting where you have to think. Not great. Thanks, Duncan. Um, no, I, I think for George, he's ultimately my favorite guy on the show. And so while none of the characteristics match whatsoever, I'll just say Pascal Siakam, him and Masai, buddies, I don't know. Uh, it's really a bad answer. This is a hard question to answer. Like I said off the top, but you're the people who ask the questions. I'm just here to serve and answer the questions you lob my way. So I've done the best I can. I'll say George is Pascal, even though I don't really think that is much of a comparison at all, except for uh, I, I, I like him the most. All right, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much to everyone who sent in questions to help get through this vacation window. We'll be back again next week with full episodes. We'll talk World Cup. We'll talk about whatever's gone on while I've been away and all that good stuff. So thank you in advance for uh, supporting the show, for subscribing, for rating, reviewing, for all that good stuff, and uh, for hanging out and, and bearing with me as we get through this down part of the off season, a little vacation time, and uh, all the mailbag questions. I hope the, I answered them sufficiently for all of you. That'll do it. We'll be back again Monday. Have yourself a wonderful rest of your weekend, and uh, thanks for hanging. Bye-bye.